Inside Westminster, Chapter 37, Silver Linings. Every cloud does indeed have a silver lining. With Ptolemy Trudge Jones's elevation to be Prime Minister and First Lord of the Treasury came certain persuasive powers, which he used toot-sweet to get his wife, Sophia Mowbray Dick, to drop the investigation into the charges of fiddling expenses levelled at his girlfriend, Mandy Swinton Eagle. All allegations had been he said, she said sort of stuff anyway, with no real evidence, so the matter had been easy to put to bed. It also meant that Potty could extend an olive branch to Sophia, whom he still loved in a funny sort of way. But he could never resist a tart, and that is what his just desserts were to be, full of zest and vomit-inducing sickly sweetness. Mandy breathed a sigh of relief, as, even though she loved seeing her name in print, she was beginning to tire of worried phone calls from Mumsy, who'd read yet another alarming headline. Why did we spend all that money on your education when you end up stealing? Angelica Mandy's long-suffering mother wailed down the phone. It wasn't like that, Mandy had retorted, not wanting to fully explain that she had been instrumental in getting several underlings fired before the truth of her use of expenses had been fully revealed. Life's tough, she thought, not feeling sorry for these poor dupes at all. She was all right, and that was all that mattered. Potty was in overdrive and overkill. Scores were being settled, and there really was lots of blood on the carpet. The cull was deep. Seventeen members of the cabinet either fell on their swords or were sent packing. Deselection shenanigans were held in abeyance, for the moment at least. A mixed bag of ethnicity, background, gender and age emerged, which Potty felt would be unassailable and would face up to the inevitable criticism of bias based on any one of the aforementioned categories. Never mind that the one thing everyone had in common was the right indefinable quality of being a member of the elite who spoke the same language, literally using the same jargon, jokes and accent. These folks knew when to be standoffish or when to air kiss on the cheeks someone they encountered. Was it two kisses or three? This knowledge was absorbed over years of exposure and left the uninitiated floundering in their lack of self-confidence. Oh, the exception to all of this was Willoughby Knight Johnston, who seemed to hail from a different era where women wore dresses and bore children, and men, well, they went off and conquered things. He had even drawn up a list of heinous language crimes not to be committed at any cost in his department, which included banning the use of metric measure. Potty laughed that eight inches always had sounded better than 11.5 centimetres. Was KJ going to expect underlings to tug their forelocks if they wore trousers and to curtsy if they wore a skirt? How quaint, Potty thought, reminds me of the dame in my dorm. I mean, we actually had to bow to her before going up to her cubby for bed. Still, never did me any harm and look at me now. Made me who I am, Potty later said to Benedict, who'd nearly had a fit when he realised the press had got hold of the actual list handwritten in purple ink. KJ's signature styling, leaked by some rat within, who was going to be dead as soon as they'd been trapped. 
Christ alive, Benedict yelled. I'm trying to drag this effing place out of its effing medieval squalor. A knight Johnston's still operating like some sort of effing chivalric knight. The penny was beginning to drop as to the enormity of the task ahead of him. But nothing had ever beaten him before, and he was up for this revolution. Revolution.